In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life will gain eternal life. As I work through our gospel passage that this past week, this line stood out from all the others. It was strong, unqualified, and spoke to a temptation many of us face, even now, 2,000 years later. Christ's difficult teaching applies to all Christians at all times, but he had a specific audience in mind. If we read on in chapter 12, St. John reveals that Jesus had a secret following who believed in him but failed to confess him. Verse 42 reads, Among the chief authorities also, Many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. These influential authorities had seen Christ's signs, had seen his healings, They had heard the account rapidly spreading through Israel of Jesus' raising of Lazarus. They believed in him, but they did not confess him. They knew that the cost of doing so, they would lose their friends, their colleagues, and their family. Their social standing would plummet their influence among their peers would evaporate and they'd be relegated to the periphery of society. It would cost them their life. The cost was too great to confess Christ and the glory of men too important. Social harmony with their brethren was more desirable to them than truth. They clung to life and lost life eternal. Belief, sadly, was not enough. They were trying to do the impossible. They were trying to be secret disciples, which is a contradiction in terms. As one commentator observes, either discipleship kills the secrecy or secrecy kills the discipleship. In the case of these men, the latter is true. Their secrecy was born out of a love for this life. It's easy to fault them for this and denounce them as cowards, but many of us would likely do the same, and many of us probably have done the same. They were just trying to be tactful, They wanted to follow Christ and be at harmony with the world around them. One of the deepest human desires is to be at peace with those around us. It seems so important 
that we will often gladly sacrifice the truth to maintain it. If our views and the traditions of our faith don't mesh well with those around us and the culture at large, we will gladly round the sharp edges of our beliefs or neglect to say we hold them. Most of us, at least to some degree, are guilty of this. Or maybe we go a step further and amend our views to better suit the times. No one wants to be criticized as being on the wrong side of history or caricatured as a stuffy Puritan. Just like the authorities, we tell ourselves that we're being tactful, but in reality, secrecy is gaining the upper hand, and secrecy kills discipleship. We fail to acknowledge that a true and lively faith will often put us in tension with the world around us. Before the famous Russian writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn was forced to leave the USSR in the early 70s, he wrote an essay to his fellow anti-communist dissidents. He gave them simple advice on how to maintain the struggle and preserve their honesty in a society characterized by violent peer pressure. He writes, but let us at least refuse to say what we do not think. Let us refuse to say what we do not think. Although this seems like a bare minimum commitment, it's harder than it appears. Imagine you are at lunch with some old college friends who have long since given up the faith and equate it with a belief in Santa Claus. They fancy themselves intellectuals and see themselves on the cutting edge of every hot-button issue. Usually you keep your silence, but they repeatedly push you to give your opinion on the latest headline. Rather than explaining how your Christian faith shapes how you understand the issue, which they don't respect anyways, you agree with them and parrot their views just to keep the peace. We tell ourselves we are being tactful and God wouldn't want us to jeopardize these relationships. He may want to use us to minister to them at some later point. It's so easy to say things we don't believe and deny the faith we confess as true. It's so easy to choose life over truth to choose life over discipleship, over God's will for us. In our gospel passage, Jesus is troubled in spirit and tempted as we are. He is tempted to choose life over the Father's will. With the brutality of the cross in front of him, Jesus says to his disciples, Now is my soul troubled. We can imagine Satan's wilderness temptations resurfacing in Jesus' mind 
with renewed strength. Maybe there is a way other than the cross to achieve the Father's ends. Jesus prays for the Father to save him from this hour, but then acknowledges obediently that for this cause came I unto this hour. He will obediently glorify the Father's name. Jesus was tempted to choose life over truth in the most profound way. There is no struggle or temptation that we have as Christians that Christ didn't experience more intensely. No matter what our struggles are, we can find solidarity and deliverance in Christ. The great Cyril of Alexandria wrote that only the death of the Savior could bring an end to death. And it's the same for each of the other sufferings of the flesh, too. Unless Jesus had felt dread, human nature could not have become free from dread. Unless he had experienced grief, there couldn't have been any deliverance from grief. Unless Jesus had been troubled and alarmed, there would have been no escape from these feelings. Every one of the emotions which humans experience can be found in Christ. Cyril says that by experiencing these strong emotions, Christ subdued them and brought them under his domain. No matter what our difficulties are, we can take heart that Christ provides a doorway and a way through each of them. Jesus hasn't only conquered death, but also every difficulty we will ever face. To desire life isn't sinful. Even to love life isn't sinful. Christ, as we saw, earnestly prays to the Father to save his own life. He knows how precious life is. He weeps for the dead Lazarus lying in the tomb. Jesus loves life so much that he wants us to have life for all eternity. He gave his life for the life of the world. But what is the life that Jesus loves? And what life has Jesus asked us to hate? The men who believed in Christ but failed to confess him didn't understand that they were in the presence of life itself, that all life finds its source in Christ. They thought they could live life as they saw fit, autonomous, and apart from the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. This is a lie. They clung to the transient when the eternal was in their midst. We are to hate the life that places worldly concerns over the one who created the world. We are to hate life apart from Christ 
Because life apart from Christ is ultimately death. And this is the record, St. John writes, that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.